from the land of the free and the home of the Chiefs, with two-man coverage of the red and gold, this is the Locked On Chiefs Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Woo! It's coming, folks. Welcome to Locked On Chiefs, and we are just 48 hours away as I'm recording this uh, intro tonight from the NFL Draft. Very excited. There's been a ton of stuff coming, and we have a great show for you. Dane Brugler from NFLDraftScout.com. The guy is with us today, and we're going to talk specifically about what the Chiefs need, what the Chiefs can do, trade scenarios, position groups, how to fill the holes and give this defense up, how to, to do what they can do on the offense to, to give Pat Mahomes that much more. So very excited about this. I think you guys are going to dig it. couple of announcements. Have a brand new YouTube channel over at RGR Football on YouTube. I'll put a link down in the show notes so you can check that out. Please, if you would go check out the first video and, and subscribe and like the thing and hit the bell for the notifications, that would be great. We're going to try to do some video uh, surrounding the draft as the selections come in. So we're going to have great video content to start going with the podcast. Uh, and you should be able to find all of it every time over at LockedOnChiefs.com. That's going to be our central hub for everything that we do. We'll have new contributors coming. All kinds of stuff. For, we're very, very excited about that. Getting down to the wire, the last couple of days, you want to pick up the Rogue Analytics Athletic Matrix Draft Guide. I've got all the good, great, and elite athletes in this class in this guide. A lot of production, a lot of explanation. It's functional. It's derivative. You can see what's coming. Uh, whether you just want to check out what the Chiefs have done or you want to be in the know as picks are coming. Go ahead and grab that over at RogueAPC.com. I'll put a link to that in the show notes as well. Uh, very excited for what we've been getting uh, in terms of feedback from a lot of people around the league. It, it's very exciting, and, and I appreciate it, and I appreciate your support as well. Um, going to talk with Dane here in a minute. We'll be back with Chris tomorrow, and we're going to go through what this draft ought to look like. Uh, specifics. We're going to talk about some of the things that have been said, and we're going to go over that as well. So uh, Chris will be back then. Today, it's just me and Dane Brugler, and we have a, a late bit of news that I just want to cover real briefly because uh, a lot of you have been asking me about this particular player, and that's Antonio Callaway out of Florida, a guy who's had a couple of run-ins. Well, it does turn out that he did test positive for marijuana at uh, the Combine again, so another red flag that's going up, and that's probably going to affect his draft stock. Now, is he still an impact player? Does he still have a lot of physical skill? Yes. Uh, he's off my draft board completely, uh, was before this latest uh, result as well. But, uh, you know, he's a guy that's now probably looking at a third day, maybe a late third day selection. Uh, and maybe he is a diamond in the rough, but he's also a guy who can fall off the table real easy. So uh, keep an eye out for that, and just wanted to give you that update real quick. So before I burn any more of your time, let's get talking to Dane Brugler. Chiefs fans, I know you've seen me retweet him, and I'm sure half of you are following DP Brugler as it already is, but Dane Brugler's with us today, NFLDraftScout.com. Thanks for being with us. Of course. Thanks, Ryan. I know this is a crazy season for you, and, and uh, we won't take too much time, but I wanted to ask, 48 hours before this draft, what are teams doing right now? Well, they're taking a deep breath, you know, hopefully all the haze in the barn. And, uh, you know, at this point in the process, it's just the draft needs to be here and let it play out. But, I mean, the week before the draft really is when you you make a lot of phone calls. You set up uh, possible trades. Uh, you know, you create those discussions. So, uh, you know, when you're on the clock, it's, it's nothing new. You know what teams could be in play uh, for a possible move up, move down. 
you know, you try to gauge what other teams are thinking in terms of what they want, what kind of players that they're targeting. So you keep that in mind and, you know, it's a little, a little difficult, you know, for the Chiefs, uh, you know, not having that first round pick, uh, you know, waiting until day two. Uh, are they even considering moving into day one? Is that even something they would uh, consider? I, I would doubt it. You know, I would think they want to hold on to those day two picks and, uh, you know, kind of just try to dominate day two and do as best as they can rounds two and three. But, um, you know, it's something that you want to lay all the groundwork. So there are no surprises uh, over Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And I kind of feel the same way, but if you would illustrate that trying to get into the first round from 54, the amount of draft capital you have to give up to do that is pretty staunch, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Um, well, I mean, you just look at the draft value chart. Uh, the Chiefs' second-round pick is worth 360 points. The third-round pick is worth 160 points, I believe. So that's like, what, 520? Uh, that's not a – and the 32nd pick is worth 590. So you're still short. So, you know, you'd have to package, uh, you know, another draft pick in there just to get up to the 32nd pick. Uh, so it, it would be pretty tough. You're probably talking about a future two, um, you know, or, you know, at, at most a future one, obviously, to get back into the in round one. And that just seems unlikely. It seems, you know, I could now I could see them maybe moving up uh, into, you know, with two third round picks maybe using one of the thirds and your second to move up higher into the second round. I think that's more uh, doable uh, from the Chiefs' standpoint. So I, I think it's probably likely uh, Chiefs fans can kind of take a breather on Thursday night, but uh, definitely Friday night will be uh, busy for the Chiefs. Well, and looking at that, starting in 54, who knows where they'll end up actually selecting. The biggest thing for this team right now is clearly shifted to defense after all the work they've done in the free agency. Uh, Looking at the secondary in particular, the Chiefs want to run a lot of three safety sets. They want guys that are interchangeable so they're not stuck into a particular role. When you look at at players that might be available at the safety position, maybe in that mid-second round that can play multiple roles or maybe even slant towards the free safety side, who do you think might fit there? Well, the free safeties are, they're, they're kind of an endangered species, uh, you know, true free safeties, uh, you know, guys that are ball hawks. Uh, they have not only the athleticism where they can uh, play both sidelines, they have range, but also the instincts and the ball skills to make plays. Um, and it's, I think there's almost, you know, 25 to 30 teams looking for free safety help. Uh, so, you know, if you're going to, if you're going to find one in the second round, uh, it's going to be, you better find one, uh, pretty quickly because they're going to come off the board, uh, pretty soon. So you look at this draft, uh, you know, Jesse Bates from Wake Forest, uh, will he still be around at that point? Probably not. Justin Reed from Stanford, he's probably somewhere in the top 40 picks. And so when you're talking about 54, just outside the top 50, I think one name to consider is Tervarius Moore from Southern Miss. Uh, an outstanding athlete, blew it up at, at his pro day. Uh, he's my highest graded combine snub, uh, did not get an invite to Indianapolis, but he, he's a guy who, a Juco for two years, went to Southern Miss, uh, backup as a junior, became a starter as a senior, uh, and you saw him you know, get better and better as the season went on. He got more reps, became more comfortable, his confidence improved, uh, but the, and the athleticism is just something you can't teach, and so He's a guy that uh, has a lot of potential, uh, but here, you know, talking about the 54th pick, that's the type of player you're going to get. You know, a lot of traits, 
you know, needs still has a long way to go with the discipline and kind of with the eye, eye discipline and what he's seeing out there. But the traits are what you're drafting at that point. And so Tavarius Moore from Southern Miss is a name to keep in mind. So really, I like what you said there. When you get past the first round, you're really talking about traits and, and coachability, right? Right, exactly. There's, uh, you know, with these players, there's find me something I can hang my hat on. You know, and if a player has, uh, you know, ball production and speed, then I'm going to take that. Uh, Rashawn Golden from Tennessee played that nickel uh, defensive back role. I can also play free safety. I love his toughness and his play speed. I mean, give me something that I can look at this player, hang my hat on that says, you know, he's really good in these areas. And then some of these other areas, not so good. But talking about the coachability, we feel like we can coach him up. Uh, but give me the things that we can't teach, uh, you know, the areas that, uh, you know, he's likely not to improve, uh, most notably athleticism, speed, size, strength. Uh, but some of these other things we think we can get better in the second, third round. That's what you're looking for. Now, I like Golden. You see him in the third still, right? Probably. I, I mean, I like him better. I, I like him in the second, but I do think um, I think I'm higher on him than most people. So I think more likely uh, third, maybe even the early fourth is uh, more realistic for Rashawn Golden. Now, what a guy! What, what about a guy like Deshaun Elliott? Can he play that free safety role consistently? And where do you think he might land? Uh, he's an average athlete. He's stiff. Uh, when, he, when you see him move, like he had a decent 40 time. He was like a four, five, eight, I believe. But his three cone was not very good at all. It was like seven, two, two. Um, and, and that show, and that he'd even do it at the combine. He waited till his pro day because I mean, he knew he wasn't going to, uh, have uh, a very good time. Um, he doesn't have smooth hips. Uh, it looks rigid in his uh, change of direction. Um, and you know, you like the ball production, six picks, uh, last year as a junior. Uh, but a lot of those were the ball found him. And that's not to take anything away from him. I mean, he deserves credit. He made those interceptions. He deserves credit for it. But it, I'm, I'm, we're not talking about a player who, you know, created these interceptions, is more overthrows, that type of thing. So I like Deshaun Elliott, but I see him as more of a, a fourth rounder, a guy that you want closer to the line of scrimmage. Um, it, you know, use his toughness, use uh, some of that strength that he has uh, as a tackler. And, you know, I don't want him as a single high or a guy that I'm going to you know, put out there in coverage very often because I think receivers and tight ends in the NFL are going to eat him up. Okay, let's take a second here. And when we come back, we'll move on to the other side of the ball. Now, on the other side of the ball, we hear a lot about athleticism being emphasized in the offensive line. Chiefs have a need at left guard. Uh, particularly, they run a lot of zone. Who's a guy that you think, whether he's rising or not, might be available on that second day that can fit that bill? Yeah, that's a good question because this, uh, this guard class, it's, it's strong at the top. You know, Quentin Nelson, Isaiah Wynn, Will Hernandez. Uh, but then once you get to day two, I, you know, there's, there's a few names that you like, but I don't know if we're, you know, it's not a very deep position on day two. And so I, I'm eager to see how, you know, Braden Smith from Auburn, how quickly he comes off the board. Uh, Austin Corbett, I think, you know, he, he could be in that mix. I don't think these guys are, and they're not super athletes. Uh, you know, Austin Corbett was a left tackle. Uh, at Nevada, four-year starter. He's going to move inside to guard at the next level. Not a bad athlete, uh, but also not uh, someone that really jumps off the off the film in terms of athleticism either. So um, I don't know if there's really that uh, that that immediate name that comes to mind. Uh, but I think there are some names out there that would would make some sense uh, once you get into the early day three range. You know, fourth, fifth round. That's when you know you start to consider maybe a Wyatt Teller from Virginia Tech. Uh, who didn't test for as well as I think a lot of people expected, but 
Uh, you do see it on film. He's a former defensive end. Uh, he, he held his own at left guard as a four-year starter at Virginia Tech. Uh, as long as he plays with the same nasty that you know he can play with, I think you can get by with his athleticism. So, you know, I, I think Braden Smith, uh, uh, Austin Corbett, those guys are going to go quickly on day two. So I don't know if the Chiefs will be able to find their guard. Uh, Alex Kappa, maybe, for the hum- Humboldt State Division II. Uh, it, it's really a, it's a strong guard group at the top. And then once you get uh, outside of round one, that's where, uh, you know, I, I, I don't think it's as strong. One guy that I think I like at guard, but I know he's played a lot of center, and I don't know where his stock is. But right now, when you look at James Daniels out of Iowa, mm-hmm. where do you think he fits best on the line, and where do you think he, he really should be slighted to go? I think he's a top 20 pick. I think he's outstanding. He's, um, he might be the best center prospect since Alex Mack, uh, which is certainly saying something. Um, uh, he's, and I, there's no bias. He's from my hometown. I got to get that out there. Uh, but no bias towards him. <laughs> uh, Warren, Ohio. Uh, but he's just, uh, he's just a really good player. And he's, you know, three years younger than Billy Price, who a lot of people think is the second best, uh, center in this draft. So a very young guy. He doesn't turn 21 years old until week two of the NFL season. Um, but the athleticism, the balance, uh, the strength will come. He'll continue to develop his body. Uh, I think he's uh, at such a young age, what he's been able to do up to this point. Uh, he's technically sound, a very smart player. I think he's going to be somewhere in that top 20, 25 range. And there went that idea. So why don't we shift gears? Look mostly at the third day. Chiefs have a lot of picks there. And at the depth, um, actually, before I do that, I just want your opinion on third-round edge rushers. The Chiefs need some production there, need a a safety blanket for D Ford's injuries. Um, Guys that you like that should be on the board round three. Yeah, and I think that might be depending on how many go in round two. Round three could be, uh, you know, a nice sweet spot for some of these guys. You know, we'll see guys like Okoronkwo and uh, you know Arden Key. Uh, you know, could they sneak into the second? Possibly, but I think they'll be around in the third. Um, you know, someone I like, uh, Dorrance Armstrong uh, from Kansas, who had a great sophomore year. He had twenty tackles for loss, ten sacks. Was really outstanding. Comes back for his junior year, and it, the production really fell off. Uh, he had only nine tackles for loss and only one and a half sacks. So you worry about that. Um, he didn't test overly, overly well. He was at 488 in the 40 yard dash, but you watch the film and you see the basketball background. A balanced athlete at contact, uh, uses his hands well. Uh, not that, you know, Vaughn Miller burst off the edge, but still a guy who can, uh, you know, bring athleticism and use his hands, use his uh, quickness to break down the rhythm of blockers, use different techniques to uh, penetrate the pocket, get the quarterback to move his feet. So I think Dorrance Armstrong, you know, 6'4", 257 pounds, he's going to be in that range. Jeff Holland from Auburn, uh, he's also in that mix. Another guy who didn't test overly well, uh, but he did have, he was a one-year starter. He became a starter this past year, kind of took over for Carl Lawson as that buck pass rusher in Auburn's defense, standing up off the edge, had 13 tackles for loss, 10 sacks, uh, four forced fumbles, really productive. Again, not a great athlete, but the guy just competes out there. Uh, he never quits fighting uh, to the pocket. 
Uh, there's a lot to like about him, and it, we're talking third round. That's not bad value at that point. Yeah, in particular, like you said, the stand-up role, obviously the Chiefs start in a base 3-4. Mm-hmm. When you look at a guy like Marcus Davenport, I'm not as high as most are on him, but I think he can certainly play the, the outside backer better, better than a down end, in my opinion. Where do you think he fits in terms of value? There's a lot, yeah, a lot of different opinions on Davenport. Um, I, in terms of value, I, to me, he's he, he belongs in the top twenty because I, again, with prospects, you know, we're you know, we're not drafting them for what they can do tomorrow. There's not a football game tomorrow. Uh, you know, you're drafting a first round pick with the next five years in mind. And with Marcus Davenport, a guy who was 200 pounds when he showed up to UTSA, he didn't have the benefit of a redshirt season. Uh, yeah, he's really still putting everything together. But for a guy that's 6'6", 265 pounds, runs a 4'5", uh, really long arms, uh, again, another uh, basketball background type of guy. You see the natural athleticism. You see the power at the point of attack. Uh, there, he needs to learn how to string together those rush moves to be more efficient from snap to, to, to the whistle. But, you know, you see the ability. And so I think so. And we're talking about pass rusher, which is the number two position on your roster. So uh, we're, we're talking about a guy that, it, to me, is worth a top 20 pick, and I think he's going to go that high. He could possibly sneak into the top 10 because, again, he's a pass rusher with outstanding traits, and you're not drafting him for tomorrow. You're drafting him for the next five years at the minimum, and you feel good about where he's going to be uh, you know, two to three years from now. Whoo, that's higher than I expected you to say. Uh, why don't we take a second, and we'll be right back, and we'll talk about uh, this cornerback group. You know, the position that I think the Chiefs probably are looking at in terms of being able to have depth if they do stay at 54 is probably the cornerback class. I know there's going to be, what, six, seven guys maybe in the first round, but when you get to that mid-second, knowing that the Chiefs want to play a lot of press man, who do you like for that kind of role? Uh, well, even though he's not the biggest guy, uh, Dante Jackson from LSU, uh, you know, he's, he's only 5'10", 180 pounds, but he's a, a twitched up athlete. And so I, I think he, he likes to get competitive. He likes to mix things up. Uh, sometimes, uh, that over aggressiveness will work against him. Uh, but he's a guy who's an elite athlete. Uh, he ran a 4-3-2 at, at the combine, ran even better, ran a 4-3-1 at the pro day at LSU. So just a speedster with uh, easy movement skills can stay in phase. So I think he can mix it up, you know, play press, and he's not going to, uh, you know, take himself out of position. He's not going to take himself out of the play. He's going to be a nuisance for uh, wide receivers. So I, and I think somewhere in that second round, that mid second round is going to be where he comes off the board. And so I think Dante Jackson is in that mix. Anthony Averett from Alabama, uh, another guy who probably should be in that you know, mid to late second round. Uh, 5'11", 183 pounds, a very good athlete, former track guy. Uh, you know, the, the ball skills were kind of lacking in college. Uh, I think a lot of that was just the way they were taught, uh, playing with their back to the ball so much, only one interception. Needs to do a better job finding the football, making plays. But another guy who, really good athlete, and you know, really makes it tough on wide receivers to uh, for quarterbacks to find that opening passing lane and for receivers to uh, do what he needs to do at the catch point to complete the pass. So I think both those names, Dante Jackson, Anthony Everett, pair of SEC cornerbacks in that mid, mid-round, mid second round. Uh, Isaac Yadam, you think he can play press predominantly? Uh, yeah, I think so. I mean, that's he uh, he did it at Boston College. Uh, and, you know, he's a, he's a bigger guy, 6'1", 190 pounds, uh, decent arm length. Uh, and I think that's – he did showed it at the Senior Bowl, did a nice job. 
uh, where he would use his arms, uh, use the, the sideline as, uh, as his friend to pin receivers and, uh, you know, not let the receiver have an easy rep, uh, start at the line of scrimmage and stay attached, uh, down the field. So I, I do think that, uh, uh, that would be a nice pick. He's, I, I have him as a third round pick. So I think somewhere in the third round, he would make some sense. Last guy I want to ask you about because he got injured during the, the pre-draft process. But uh, Nick Nelson out of Wisconsin, a third-day pick at this point, and is he a, an extreme value there? Yeah, and it, we'll, have to, we'll have to track uh, Nelson because, yeah, he had the torn meniscus, uh, but surgery went well, and they think that he could come back for training camp. And if so, we he'll have the discount sticker on him. But it shouldn't be, you know, too detrimental to his stock. If he falls to the fourth round, you feel good about that. Uh, 42 passes defended, zero interceptions over his career. One of the most amazing stats in this uh, draft class. I don't know how you get your hands on 42 balls without getting a pick, but he managed to do that. Um, but he's still a really good player. Uh, but, you know, gets, a hand, gets his hand on the ball. Not a super twitched up athlete. But uh, he, he does a nice job of uh, reading the quarterback and finding the football. Uh, so I, I think Nelson, with that knee injury, could be uh, found at a discount in the fourth round. Folks, if you're not following DP Brewler on Twitter, we got to talk about how you're doing this whole draft thing. Dane, thank you for your time. I know you're swamped. Anytime. Thanks, Ryan. Dane Brugler is the main senior scout at NFLDraftScout.com. You want to check that out. It's a great resource, and you're going to find – what they have for all their evaluations. Uh, I know Rob Rang's affiliated with the site as well. Um, and you should definitely check out Dane's draft guide. It's one of the tools that I use. I'll put a link there in the show notes as well if you want to get to that. Uh, really thank him for his time. It's super, super busy this time of year. And he was really, really kind to take that time out. So I hope you guys enjoyed that. Make sure you check out those uh, aspects and, and those sites that you can get some information on. Uh, my final mock draft is dropping on Wednesday, uh, maybe around the lunch hour, but it should be out there. So make sure you check that out. Uh, interesting, and you'll hear bits and pieces from some of the information we've heard on the show, as well as a whole ton of things that uh, have been going on off the uh, record here. So take a look at that. My draft board will actually debut on Thursday morning. And that's going to be the visual board that I do every year. If you've followed me for a while, you've seen them for the last few years. Um, it, it's what I go off of in terms of there's probably only 100, 130 guys on that list, and they are scheme fits, team fits for the Chiefs. So uh, that'll be up on LockedOnChiefs.com as well as uh, – and the mock draft is up there, too. So uh, check those out. We will be back. I want to make sure, last chance, if you want to have the Athletic Matrix draft guide, make sure you get a handle on that now. Uh, we are going down to the wire here as we get ready for the draft. And it's something that you can flip through. It's got all the good great and elite athletes in this draft class at each position. So when either the Chiefs move around to grab somebody or a particular player goes to another team that you follow or you want to just see what's going on with the other teams in the AFC West, uh, give that a listen. The, the links are in the show notes as well. Uh, and so go check that out at RogueAPC.com. A uh, ton of stuff coming. We're going to try to do uh, pods following the draft days. Uh, look for some video if you haven't subscribed yet to RGR Football on YouTube. I'll put a link there as well in the show notes. Check all those things out, and thank you for listening. We will talk to you tomorrow. Thanks for listening to the Locked On Chiefs podcast. While you're out there, give us a rating or review. 
and reach out to us on Twitter at Ryan Tracy NFL and at Chris Clark NFL. We'll talk to you next time. <laughs>